This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and as always, I am joined today by Dave, who's, who in a rare moment of, 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 I think, yeah, losing his mind, actually called me good enough today, so things are looking up. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe things are looking up. It's oh. difficult to tell, who knows, who knows in this weird, strange, topsy-turvy world that we live in, but maybe things are looking up. We all hope for that, of course. So, today we have a bit of a news episode, I guess, and I'm not sure if you can hear this, but a big airplane has come across my house at the moment, so let's just give the Dutch military stare moment uh, in the spotlight in the Roaring Elephant podcast. I yeah, it do sounded like it was about to come in through your window, actually, but there we go. That's the advantage of living like, I don't know, like 50 kilometers from a military airbase. They don't do it often, but when they do it, they used to do it all the day, all day long. So I hope that it's going to stay with just the one. Fair enough. But let's go back to the topic at hand. It's a bit of a news episode today. And Dave actually has been responsible for most of the articles we're talking about. And he's oh, all dear. about open source today, aren't you? Indeed. We are all about the, the source of open um it it just seems like there was a real slew of open source related content recently so uh yeah we're going to uh, jump in on that and uh, we'll start off with you know we've got a couple of episodes on this this sort of set of topics but what we're going to start off with is you know why you would open source your code even if you don't want contributions so this article <sighs> Honestly, like I, I just don't. I, I fundamentally don't really agree with it. For me, the whole point about open source is about the community that you build around the the project. It's not really about the fact that you've published a bunch of code on a you know on a website and and that makes it you know intrinsically have value. I've I've seen. Um, quite a number of organizations go through the steps of thinking that they want to become open source companies. And I'm talking about major, um, major players in their respective industries, whether it's, you know, energy or um, defense and space or um, I'm trying to think of some of the others. Um, there have been people in the in the banking industry and in and uh, in the insurance industry and telco industry that have that have come up with these open source projects that they have they 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 think is wonderful and is the next best thing since uh, well since the last great idea they had and <laughs> they they go through this process they put a whole load of time and effort into it. And they release this software upon the world and sort of expect at that point that the world will just pick it up and go, wow, this is amazing. And we'll all kind of jump on board and, you know, it, they'll take a rocket ship to the moon along with Dogecoin. Hey, if it works now, for Google. Well, exactly. Clearly, clearly this is the way that things work. Unfortunately, clearly that's not the way that the majority of things work. I'm not saying that you could not start a project and just release it onto the world and all of a sudden it goes viral and everybody wants to use it and contribute to it and you know it again heads to the moon with dogecoin 
But the chances of that happening, for the most part, even if it's a, it's a project that you think is very useful and you can see that surely lots of other people also find it useful, the chances of that actually gaining any real adoption, any real community are, in my experience, close to zero. You know, million to one shot, probably not even that common. Yeah, I would even say that the measure of success for an open source project is the size of the community. You just mentioned going viral. That basically means creating the community around it. That's the whole viralness of your open source thing. Yeah. Now, the, the article itself kind of had the the, the, the the idea that putting it on the on GitHub makes it there for posterity. It's not going to go away. It's there forever, which I guess works. You can use GitHub as your own personal backup site. Up until the site goes away, I guess that works. I'm not sure if that's the right yeah. way to think about it. But it's exactly. One way. I mean, that, that, that whole point about this being there for posterity is kind of ridiculous. They're saying, oh, you know, what if the company that founded it sort of uh, goes away? You know, at least if you've got access to the source code, you can carry on running that thing. Well, what if GitHub goes away? You know, then all of a sudden, all of these projects have vanished. Now, I, I'm aware that that's relatively unlikely. But it's not impossible. Definitely. So the the whole idea around, oh, I'm making something open source for posterity, kind of ridiculous in my mind. It's it sort even, of... It contradicts itself because the whole idea that it is valuable enough that it should be kept for posterity means that there's a community that wants to use the thing. So it's an all Agreed. Issue. Now, there is one Agreed. other way where I think companies put stuff on open source, GitHub, whatever, without a intention of having a uh, community being built. Mm. And I'll leave it up in the air if it's a, a good or a bad thing. And that is recruitment. A lot of big companies put something they build, which is kind of interesting for their own thing, but not really useful for anybody else, on an open source project particularly because it isn't valuable for anybody else, so they don't really share any inside secrets that might have given edge to a competitor, but they put it out there so they can show programmers, developers, architects, who more and more, I think, have that open source mindset. They want to show to the world, we big company XYZ, we are also in that open source mindset, because here, like, this is the cool thing we built, and we just put it out there for everyone to use without having any in the, any real desire to manage and nurture, because that's what you have to do, a community around the whole thing. So the, uh, there are the other use that I can see where maybe you release code and you're not expecting it to have a community or you don't, you're releasing it for the good of I suppose the good of the community feels like a bit weird to say because you're not necessarily <laughs> expecting or relying on the community, but you're you're re releasing it for the good of um, you know maybe future generations or something like that. And uh, the 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 well, bear with me. So the example that I'm thinking of here is um, there are a number of very popular games that have uh, once those games have become for the most part obsolete, they have released their source code. Now, those companies are no longer expecting 
to make any revenue from that for the it's most part. There. Yeah, because they've they've gone away in some cases. So, like the the two examples that I that I love are Doom, um, obviously being a, a very popular one, and the second one is is something called Free Space Two, mm -hmm. which is a like space combat simulator, um, kind of late, very late nineties, I think, probably like nineteen ninety nine or two thousand something like that release date, and you know the. Mm -hmm the developers no longer really exist in any way shape or form like the code was released and it has um sort of from there evolved into like a whole new game you know the whole new mods around it whole new sort of ecosystem has been built around it but the aim of releasing it was not to generate that it was just a well you know this could be useful to somebody um so yeah but that's almost like the accidental creation of a community and the thing that has value to it is the fact that you know thousands of people went wow this is amazing i can now build my absolutely perfect battlestar galactica space combat simulator by pouring thousands of hours into you know mod modeling that or there's a there's a Babylon five variant of it. And you know, all these other kind of things that people have done, but the popularity of it is because a community sort of collected around that essentially abandoned where, mm -hmm. and then built something on top of it. Yeah. I think you can slice it into two halves as well, because on the one hand, there's the, we need to keep this for posterity because it was a milestone, but nobody's ever going to play yeah. it again. It just needs to be in a museum. And there's actually a museum for old games. I forget the name, but um, yeah. even line is in there. I used to play even line a while ago, um, but that's not, the, not, there's no intention for community and then never, well, I'm not talking about even line specifically here, but those things are put in a museum as just like a piece of art. It's something that was specific very important so we want to have a place in history for it there's no community it's not going to be contributed and it's not open source it just yeah. as a closed source project was kept for posterity yeah. if you go to the other half of it where you actually put it in the open source so people as you said you can have mods created and uh, change the, the the texture packs to make that whatever it is more balance galactica that's with the intention of creating a new community of contributors. So it builds upon it. And maybe the intention isn't there. It was a demand. We have contributors who want to use this, so please put in the open source. But then again, it's contrary to what the article says, because you typically do exactly. that. And the reason to go open source and not have the closed source thing in the museum somewhere. So you have the contributors that make something nice with it. Uh, Star Wars Galaxies is another one that comes to mind there. Yeah. And there's, yeah, it doesn't make sense to go open source without any kind of contributions there. It, yeah. Agreed. The, the other one that I, I can think of where an organization um, may choose to, you know, publish the source code for something they've done is when they are effectively decommissioning a, a particular product or project or service or whatever they no longer want to run it they no longer you know maybe they no longer support the hardware that that is paired up with it or whatever and there have been a handful of situations where organizations have you know in my mind done the right thing and said you know what like this is no longer a commercial offering for us 
But if you as a home hobbyist want to go and run your own variant of this, we'll do one last release that opens up the code, publish the server code, and you can you know, go off and, and do your own thing. We've, I've definitely seen a handful of those over the time. And it's that, yeah, they're very few and far between because in the most cases, honestly, most organizations are not for the greater good. They're, you know, they're powered by greed and, and, and capitalism and the desire yeah, to generate more revenue. But they do pay revenue. my wage at the end of the month as exactly. well, right? So there's a good Exactly. Part. Exactly. So like they're doing it to generate cash so they can stay alive. But I do think that there is a, there is something to be said for, you know, goodwill and for making sure that we're just not filling our landfills with stuff that is actually working, um, had it not been for the fact that somewhere flipped a software switch somewhere and decided to brick this thing, because as far as they're concerned, it's now, quote unquote, obsolete. Mm. So uh, it's... Right. There's been a few of those. I do yeah. I do like it when organizations do that. Um I realise it's not it's not particularly commonplace though. No, this is really altruism or what's the other word for that? Uh self what was it again? There's another term for that where you it's something good, but it's mostly out of self-interest. Enlightened self-interest, that's the one I was looking for. Sure. Because basically whenever you do that, it's effort. Even building yeah. that last review uh, release of this thing yep. and putting it on GitHub, it is effort. And if you put it on GitHub, you will get people pestering you about it. Can you add this? There's effort involved. So there's yeah. almost always some kind of self-interest involved there. Oh, and that's yeah. okay. It's, it's, it's all problem, about, right? yeah. I mean, in most cases, it's, it's about being seen as the good guy and like, oh, these people are, you know, I'll buy more of their products because they don't brick them at the end of their... Yeah their own life cycle or whatever it might be. So for me, that goes into that uh, advertisement yeah. of HR kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Ex exactly. Yeah. But I think, yeah, uh, beyond that, though, I really, I, I really don't agree with the sort of the approach that uh, that this this kind of article took. Mm -hmm. And I think to, to kind of pivot onto the next major topic mm -hmm. is a a really good example of why community is important and what happens if you don't have a, a community of people that are willing to continue driving stuff forward. And that is the the, the honor roll of projects that got uh, deprecated into the uh, Apache attic. Uh, we, we talked about um, Apache Metron, I think uh, an episode or two ago about the fact that that's now vanished into the attic. But uh, there were actually 16... Um, 19 even. 19, sorry, um, sort of uh, open source projects, of which 13 are big data related, that all got uh, relegated to the attic because they no longer have viable, um, active communities. Yeah. and. One of the things we didn't really touch on the previous example is it's all very well you saying that you want to continue using a particular service or, you know, piece of software or something like that, but everything continues marching forwards. Like you cannot stop the, the sort of the movement and the evolution of, of everything that's happening around it. 
and whether that's things like security vulnerabilities or library version changes or you know operating system evolution or you know whatever it might be all of these things you know need to be continually tended and uh, dealt with on any sort of any sensible software project and that's why if you don't have a community of people that are tending these things they tend to fall by the wayside and uh, yeah you end up with uh, with this kind of situation yeah and of course uh, important detail here all of these got uh, relegated to the attic at the same time so there's not something that mm. happened over a couple of years or something uh, from one day to the next these 19 and 13 specific for Hadoop were spent were sent to the attic and that's what makes this kind of uh, noteworthy let's say yeah um and you kind of kind of went very quickly uh, to the there was no community anymore so that's why they got to the attic but there's also a reason why there wasn't any community anymore basically most of these projects had a competing if i can use that word project also in the open source that did kind of the same thing and both had a community and in the end that's why competition is good the yep. better one the one with the biggest community more or less on the, across the whole across the board here have one if there's any kind of winning in these kind of things i mean there were two approaches but both projects helped make the other project better by being yep. competitive i mean they do this we can do that that's kind of that's how innovation works basically you need to have something to reach for and the goalposts need to be set all the time the, for me the, the the bad news here is that basically for a lot of the surviving uh, projects there is no competition anymore and that's why on the one hand i can understand why this goes to the attic because again as you said if there's nobody building it anymore uh, apache will put it in the attic it also totally contradicts the whole keep it for posterity from the last uh, article because once you're in the <laughs> attic people aren't going to find you that easily anymore anyway but uh, yeah i mean by putting this in the attic it does kind of impover the ecosystem a bit but yeah that being said if the community is gone what's the use of keeping it alive there's no competition happening anymore anyway because they these ones aren't going to be innovating anymore so, yeah. yeah so I, I i do think there are a couple of ones that don't fall into that category here so the i agree like the examples that definitely fall fair and square into the category of there were two competing ones one of them clearly won and the other one lost and is relegated to the attic like for me that's clearly like sentry um which lost against uh ranger and um, Falcon, which lost against, you know, NiFi and um, I suppose a bit of NiFi, a bit of Storm, maybe um, a bit of Spark streaming. But either way, you know, th those things definitely uh, went by the wayside. But I do think there are a couple here that either were maybe too early and just never really managed to make you know, reach their escape velocity or launch velocity or whatever you want to call it. So one of those um, is Eagle, which was around like identifying like, security and performance issues and optimization. I, I did have a little play with Eagle, um, well, probably four <laughs> years ago or so. Um, and I was actually pretty impressed with it. it. It did a really nice job of 
recommending you know fixes and enhancements um you know changes you could make to configuration that would improve things it would like analyze jobs and and sort of work out where you were maybe over allocating memory or resources and you know how you could optimize things um, but it never really it never really gained any serious adoption it was a you know a project that was created by one particular organization i don't actually remember where it came from initially but um and you know a handful of people used it liked it but no one was really willing to um you know build a proper community around it and so it it sort of uh, reached the point where it faded away the the second one i think is is apache metron like i i spent you know a decent chunk of time with apache metron I think it's another one that just failed to create enough of a community. It came from, um, you know, some work done by Cisco and Hortonworks, and they failed to build a successful, growing community around that. I think part of it was was it was just underinvested in by those two vendors initially, and you know you. Most most projects have, at least during their early to mid stages, one, two, or three major organisations that contribute to them, and like hopefully many other smaller contributors as well. Mm-hmm. But there's usually a like a core of organisations that support something in the first place, and if that's just one, which is really what Metron ended up being with first Hortonworks, then later on Cloudera, it's just not enough. It just wasn't enough to make that a really sustainable long-term project. So I think those two felt a little bit like there were projects a bit, either a bit before their time or a bit underinvested in, or they just missed the mark in some way, shape or form. Yeah, and what you just talked about also kind of illustrates that open source is great and good, but commercial and open source need to exist together if you want to have yeah. a really successful project. Because a purely open source thing can exist if it's just a library and it's a, 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 a labor of love for somebody that funds up a couple of like-minded individuals and they build something cool, great. But if you really want to get those top-level uh, open source projects out there, you will need to have one, two, three, hopefully, organizations, commercial organizations that are allowing their people to spend salaried time on those projects so it actually has milestones that can be achieved. And yeah, yeah I think for the Metron one, the sad thing, if I can call it that, is that at a certain point, both Metron and the competing project, which was Spot, came under the same uh, number of organizations that were working on both projects. And yeah, at that point, the company will always choose its favorite. Yeah, but like Spot was deprecated first. (laughs) Um, Spot died first and then Metron died afterwards. So So like neither of them survived. So yeah. 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 But I mean, out of this list, um, which... Were there any here that you were like, I've never heard of that thing before? Oh, yeah. I mean, Chakwa. I love the name. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> that was exactly the one that I was going to pick as well. I've never, ever heard of Apache Chakwa. And, and, it, uh, and if you, you have to go and click on, click on the, the link 
And for those that uh, are following us along on YouTube, you'll be able to see the glorious logo, which is the oh. world resting on an elephant, <laughs> resting on a turtle's back. I mean, resting on like some terrible um, chakwa um, sort of type face. Um, Somebody spent time and love on that logo, so be nice. I know, I know. And he was a Terry Pratchett I, fan. Yes, clearly was a Terry Pratchett <laughs> fan. But my word, that's that could be the reason that project failed. Um, sorry for anyone that, that yeah. worked on Chakwa. Marketing is a big part of it and logos, brand recognition. But for me, it's mostly the name. I mean, Chakwa? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Are there any here that you thought I mean, I, I shared a little bit of my experience with Eagle back in the day. Are there any that here that you used and thought actually this was quite cool back then? Um, not really. I mean, I guess uh, this is actually my secret secret superpower. Whenever I like somebody, something, I'm the least original person in the world because everybody else likes it too. That's valid for books, for movies. And apparently as well for open source things. So basically all the ones that I liked um, kind of stayed along apparently because, um, you know, e Eagle, yeah, you already talked about that. That was a, a cool one, but I never really saw it as a useful project because in the days when this was all uh, alive and well, you kind of purchased your Hadoop solution from a vendor and you kind of expected a vendor to do this for you. So yep. why would I do this if I spend money on you? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I can understand why these have fallen by the wayside, uh, yeah. sad as it may be. The yeah. ones that I do recognize, uh, no, I mean, it also kind of illustrates that it's democracy in action, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the things I, I do wonder about is... What, you know, what what do you think will be the next big sort of uh, swing of of projects to get retired? And I suppose as a follow-on from that, one of the things that I appreciate about the, the Apache Software Foundation and the Apache governance model is that they do actually take this kind of step. They do <laughs> say, like, really, this isn't this isn't working anymore. Unfortunately, it no longer makes sense for the SF to continue, you know, driving and running the governance for these projects. It's time for them to go out around the back of the barn and for us to, you know, shoot them and uh, and then stuff them and put them in the attic. So there are many projects out there that are, you know, limping along with, you know, you know, one or two people furiously trying to to keep these things moving forwards that people have no idea just how you know delicate the balance is between that maybe one maintainer going oh i've had enough of this and just kind of yep. you know bowing out or when there's a split happening if there's some discontent happening and one of the big ones forks the project starts his own thing takes half of the community with him maybe more than half of the community with him and what's left isn't enough anymore to keep the thing alive 
Now, you, you do kind of make it sound like Apache willy-nilly decides, I'm going to kill these projects here. That's not how it works, of course. The whole part of the governance no. thing is all the stuff is well-regulated. And basically, is if your contribution, the number of contributors becomes so small, the number of contributing organizations becomes too small, you're no longer yeah. adhering to the Apache rules and you will relegate it to the uh, attic. And this can happen to even the biggest of projects out there because I remember years ago, there was a moment where Apache Spark was all, uh, uh, on the verge of being uh, unattached because their contributors were being uh, polarized and main, main, mainly came, came from one organization anymore. Yeah. And they had to do a big marketing community outreach program at that point to build that community again to have more contributors adding to the projects so that it could remain its Apache status. So it's also a good way of uh, maybe it's charged, keeping the project honest, making sure that they are indeed doing the stuff they're promising to do when you look at these Apache products. Yeah, there have been a few of those. I, I, yeah, I, I can't remember, I can't remember the details, but certainly a couple of years ago, probably three or four years ago now, I guess, there, there were there were at least two other projects that went through some pretty serious kind of telling off <laughs> by the ASF for um, like this, this is not a, a community. This is a single vendor project, either build a community, a real community, not like a, a straw man, um, or it's time for you to leave the ASF. And to their credit, um, I think both of those projects did actually go ahead and, and build that. I'm pretty sure that neither of them got exited from the A from the ASF. But it's it's not a it's not a business model. This is not a, a way to run a business. This is a method of governing um, governing software. So it's it those two things are very different. Yeah, and it's a method. I mean, Apache is yeah. not equal to open source. Open source is much larger than Apache. Apache is one way where you can yeah. have a uh, governance structure enforced upon you by accepting the rules and making yeah. you build it a certain way. If you do have that single company project, and Google has a lot of them that aren't Apache, I think, um, yeah. that's fine. That's still open source, right? Nobody's telling you you have to be Apache or else you're not real open source. No, it's a way of potentially having a better chance of surviving because you kind mm -hmm. of force to keep the, the community out there, the uh, contributor community out large, growing, incentivized. So it's a way of making, perhaps make yeah, better chance of success of having that project available for posterity. Still going back to the first article there. Uh, but it's not yeah. definitely not the only way of doing this. And there's definitely other ways of doing also having very successful open source projects out there. Indeed, indeed. Well, in order to to wrap things up, nothing wrap things wraps things up better I leave. than a quick conversation about blockchain. No, you can't leave. You're our, our resident blockchain expert. I'm the blockchain cynic. I hate blockchain, and that's actually not true. I don't hate blockchain. I like blockchain. I think it's a very, very brilliant technology being used in very intelligent ways. But it's also become a marketing thing that makes the tracks to the, to the technology to a point that it becomes something I really hate. Now, this one, the Linux Foundation, apparently is going to pull up a blockchain. And that's actually something I like. 
always depends well, how it's going to end up, how it's going to work. I mean, this is how it starts. We'll see how it ends. Well, maybe not how it ends, but how it evol evolves, let's call it that. <laughs> uh, but this is, I think, a way that blockchain is supposed to work and be successful because it takes away that monopolistic, this is my blockchain. No, this becomes an open source blockchain. And the whole thing of blockchain is having a non-monopolistic view that there's nobody there that can be the dictatorship and change something by having it spread across multiple organizations, companies, whatever you want to call them. And that's how it's think actually works. I mean, that's also why government-based blockchain is better than a commercial entities blockchain. Mm -hmm. But governments, uh, depending where you are in the world, also are not the saints that they are supposed to be. Having yeah. a open source blockchain, I do think it fills a gap. It has a, a use. But I am still on the hedge. I mean, you can hear it perhaps. I'm still not convinced. All depends on how this, how it's going to end up. Because if this becomes the Linux Foundation is the master of this blockchain, it's still very much the, the government structure is going to be very important here. Yeah, and one thing that I I hadn't realized until I did a little bit of. Uh, digging while you were talking is that the article mentions uh, something called open IDL, which is the open insurance data link, which is an insurance network partnership with the American association of insurance services. At least that's what it was back in September 12th, 2018. So open IDL itself has been around for, um, for quite some time. And it, it it's, the sort of announcement of um, open IDL kind of heading into the the Linux Foundation is the the recent change. So open IDL itself has existed for a while. It's the the fact that it has been um, I guess contributed, yeah, contributed <laughs> to the um, to the Linux Foundation more recently. So yeah, there's if you look for uh, you know, open IDL, you can see a whole bunch of, um, you know, bl uh, blog posts by a variety of different people, everybody from, you know, IBM through to um, like hyperledger.org and uh, a bunch of other places as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how this progresses. And if, the Linux Foundation's stewardship is something that's able to really, um, yeah, have this evolve in the direction that you were talking about. Yeah, because, I mean, these kind of moves can be positive or negative because either the open IDL was having troubles and they're trying to do this to get more attention, maybe survive that way, or they actually saw the light and decided that the their blockchain governance should be more open should be more decentralized and that's why they go to that's why i say i need to see how this evolves how this actually mm. gets its place in uh, in the world before i'm going to be totally in in, in favor of it and uh, the next step and of course is uh, the applications of the blockchain because again it's great technology but what can you do with it because again, a lot of the commercial applications and even non-commercial applications of blockchain are very much from a I own this standpoint. And that's not how it's supposed to work. I mean, just use a database then. Yep, indeed. Well, anything else from you on this open topic? Uh, oh, loads. But uh, we kind of skipped some stuff from next episode. So uh, let's just do that. Indeed. Well, in that case, 
that is all the time that we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution really helps. We are on YouTube. You can like, you can subscribe, you can comment, you can hit the notification bell and do all the YouTube things. Please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page. And for more information about this podcast, you can also follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag and send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is still baiting John about blockchain Dave. And my name is Will the Linux Foundation make me a blockchain convert? John? Probably not. <laughs> and we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.